It was a pair of first-round wins for IU on Friday and Saturday, setting up a pair of matchups with Miami to get to the Sweet 16. Oh, and Purdue lost to a 16 seed. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into a special Saturday edition of Locked on Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob. want to thank you guys for tuning in on this Saturday, making us your first listen every single day. Big thanks to FanDuel for uh, being the sponsor of today's episode. They are the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. It was a uh, a fun, not even 24 hours, 12 hours between late Friday night, early Saturday morning as both Hoosier teams come away with wins. Definitely a lot to talk about from both games. And we're going to start on the women's side with their victory over Tennessee Tech on Saturday. That was fairly comfortable. What was not was that they did it without Mackenzie Holmes, who about an hour, 30 minutes or so before tip, it was announced she would be uh, have limited availability. That turned out to be no availability, as she did not play in that one. Uh, it was, it's worrisome, certainly. Uh, they talked to her, reporters did after the game. Holmes said the plan was to not play today. Uh, she was... She kind of had the injury. It's the same knee that she had uh, surgery on midseason last year. They, she said she was aware she could kind of re-aggravate the injury at any point, and it flared up in the Big Ten tournament, which would explain why she didn't look 100% against Ohio State because she was not. So she said the plan was not to play today. She would have been available if it was close and they needed her. It was close early on, but I ended up pulling away. She has been practicing some. Uh, they said uh, right now, quote, trying to be smart about when using her and keeping her fresh, things like that. Uh, she said she'll see how she'll, she feels on Monday. Terry Morin provided a little more optimism. She herself said she was, quote, really optimistic and, quote, feels really good about her on Monday. Sounds like she'll be available on Monday, but it also sounds like she's not going to be 100%. The hope is that with these kind of weak layoffs between games, assuming IU wins on Monday, that she'll have time to get healthy and get fresher because if IU's going to make a deep run in the tournament and do anything in the later rounds, they're going to really need her. It They might be able to get away without her on Monday, I think they actually probably would, but that's kind of where the line is drawn. After that, they're going to really need her to be available. So absolutely something to monitor moving forward for the women's team. Grace Berger, though, when we're talking about the game, she was phenomenal. Like I said, IU, it was a little dicey to start with, mainly because uh, Tennessee Tech was hitting every three-pointer they were shooting, which wasn't sustainable uh, as we would find out, but in the early going, it made for some exciting viewing, but IU was relentless in attacking the rim on Saturday. Grace Berger had 17 points, 7 rebounds, 
four assists, six and nine from the field. She had three blocks, and two of them were on the same play. Uh, she looked like someone who was not ready to have her career in. Same as Race Thompson on Friday. Like I said, IU was pretty relentless in attacking the paint. Everything that they did was uh, at the rim, and we talked about that on Friday, that Tennessee Tech just had no size, and the Hoosiers were very aware of that, and they were uh, repeatedly driving to the rim and finishing there. Uh, Sydney Parrish had a big game. She led all scores with 19 points. Garzon had 12 points as well. The defense was stout, even with Tennessee Tech starting off fast. Uh, 18 of 65 is what the Golden Eagles finished up, shooting 27%. They were 8 of 26 from 3, and they hit their first four. So they were 4 of 22 after that. So they cooled off. The Hoosiers had a far more sustainable game plan, and the end result was a victory for Indiana. Lily Meister got the start in McKenzie Holmes' absence. Freshman looked good. I mean, she's had minutes, uh, spurts where she's played and looked decent. Considering the circumstances and the fact she did not officially find out she was starting until Sunday, she looked good, and you can see why IU recruited her, why they are almost certainly excited about her. Had a couple of really nice passes to cutters. Uh, So her and Alyssa Geary were the two centers on the day. Both were more than serviceable. Meister had seven points, four rebounds, and assists. Three blocks as well. IU as a team had 11 blocks. Uh, Geary played 17 minutes, three points, three rebounds, a couple of assists. So the Hoosiers got by without them. I think they could do that again against Miami if they had to. It wouldn't be ideal, but obviously the quicker they get McKenzie Holmes back, the better. The Hoosiers will take on Miami on the women's side on Monday. We'll talk a little bit more about that in Monday's episode. We'll actually record Sunday night, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, Miami came from 17 down in their game against Oklahoma State. It's the fifth largest comeback in tournament history. They end up winning 62-61, to so there will not be a Garzon uh, sisters matchup, but IU will play Miami twice this weekend. We kind of got a little bit of a scattering report. If you listen to our episode we did on Thursday with Sabrina Merchant about Miami, uh, good defensively. They did beat Virginia Tech, who's a one seed earlier in the season, but it came in early January before Vatek had really figured themselves out and went on a big run. So they're capable of winning those types of games, but they struggle offensively, and they did so on Saturday as well. I mean, obviously, they got down by 17 points in the first half. Looked entirely out of that game. I had almost effectively written them off, but they went on a big run in the second half. A lot of that was turning defense into offense. So that'll be a big thing to watch for the Hoosiers. Like I said, we'll have a little bit more on them on Sunday slash Monday as we get a better sense on that. Let's talk about the men's team, though. Huge win for them on Friday. Far more comfortable than I think anybody really expected. We'll talk about the keys to that game and look ahead to Miami, uh, the other IU-Miami matchup for a spot in the Sweet 16. Before we do all that, the tournament is heating up and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. 
Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe and secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. IU and Miami on the men's side, it's anywhere from a two-point IU favorite to a pick'em. I believe FanDuel has it at minus 1.5. So it's what I recommended to do if you guys didn't on Friday. Bet on Miami. At worst, you get a whole bunch of bonus bets from FanDuel. At best, uh, or I guess you can kind of flip those around, but even if IU loses, you make money. So ease some of the pain there. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Uh, when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's uh, first big shout out to you guys for making us your first listen every day, including on this Saturday. Make sure you guys check out Locked On College Basketball. They were recording late into the night on Friday, so they're giving you everything, last minute updates, all of that stuff. Make sure you're checking them out. Available on YouTube wherever you guys get podcasts. We also had a podcast, a kind of brief one, go up on the feed and on the YouTube page. Just a quick little reaction to the IU Kent State game. We'll be doing those so long as the men's team is in the tournament. So uh, as long as that is the case, we're going to have those quick reactions. Because of that, I'm not going to go too deep into the IU uh, Kent State recap because we talked for seven, eight, nine minutes uh, over on that video. We can recap a couple things. Obviously, the, I think the biggest takeaway is Trace Jackson Davis is very good at basketball. <laughs> he, uh, it was a, I don't want to say a subpar first half. He he deferred a little bit more in the first half. He was doing plenty defensively, rebounding the ball, and blocking shots, assisting. He just wasn't really assertive necessarily scoring the ball. That changed in the second half. He he had a stretch there where he just thoroughly took over the game. The dunk he had was one of the best dunks I can remember an IU player having. The play that is going to stick with me for a long time is just the the spin and looking back after spinning a guy out of his shoes uh, to dunk the ball. One of the most disrespectful things I can remember in such an awesome way. Uh, beating a guy so bad that you can look back at them before dunking on them. Hats off to Trace. He was incredible. The other big storyline, though, was race. I mean, the IU front court was really, really good. Race Thompson spoke earlier in the week about leaving it all on the line, leaving it all on the floor, not wanting his career to be over. And like I said in that um, other video with Isaac Shade that we did after the game, a lot of guys will say that, but not a lot of guys will do that will play with that type of energy. 
race 100% did. That was the best game of race's career. And for it to come in that moment, in that game, man, what a big performance uh, for him. So impressive from him. Like I said, the front court as a whole was good. Miller Cop played really well too and knocked down a, a couple big threes. If that's how he plays with a headband, then keep the headband on for the rest of March uh, because he was really, really good. And all three of them, I use seniors, were impressive in the victory, I think really led the way. Def- the defense is obviously what uh, was the kind of driving force throughout the game. There was the a, a small stretch in the first half where IU's offense kind of had their lull that they normally do, but defensively there was no lull. Uh, Kent State shot 31% on two-pointers, 33% on three-pointers, so... IU completely shut them down. It was as impressive of a defensive performance over 40 minutes as they've had in a while, I think. Uh, Kent State finished with .94 points per possession. That was a good Kent State offense. One of the biggest positives, I think, coming away from this was that we spoke a lot about how many turnovers Kent State forces. And for about 30, 35 minutes... Um, IU just didn't turn the ball over. I think they only had about three turnovers. They got sloppy there for a couple minutes. Trace had a couple turnovers. I think they had about four turnovers in about a couple minutes span. They finished with seven, which even that number is impressively low for a team in Kent State that was one of the best teams in the country at turning uh, opponents over. So IU, that has not been a strength this season for them to come away uh, doing that, that's very encouraging moving forward and just competing for a full 40 minutes. How many times have we been frustrated by IU starting hot, having a lull where everything goes wrong for six, seven minutes, and then fighting back in the second half and maybe winning, maybe coming up short, whatever it may be. That pretty much describes the Michigan game at the end of the regular season, the Maryland game in the Big Ten tournament. The Penn State game in the Big Ten tournament on Fridays, Friday night, Saturday morning, whenever that game finally ended, that was 40 minutes of competing. The offense went away, like I said, for a couple minutes in the first half, more or less coincided with Jalen hood Shafino sitting with two fouls. IU navigated it well and came out the other side still still ahead and then really put the the pedal to the metal in the second half to, to earn that victory. So as impressive of a performance over 40 minutes that IU has had, I mean, that ranks up there with the best ones they've had this year. That was a, a tricky Kent State team. But as we said as well on Friday, this kind of came down to the fact that IU had Trace Jackson Davis and the other team didn't. And Trace is that type of difference maker. You're not going to keep him silent. He's going to get his and other teams can't match that eventually maybe they can if IU gets deep enough, but Kent State can't, and Miami's not going to be able to either. We'll talk about that here in a second, but um, that was, for for as worried I think as a lot of us were, that was really assuring, a really assuring performance. Let's look at IU-Miami. The Hurricanes, I'm sure a lot of us, uh, a lot of you guys, myself included, were watching that Miami-Drake game. Drake looked the better team for 30, 32, almost 35 minutes. Uh, 
and Miami came away with the win because they went on a crazy run to end the game. So it was a, an uncharacteristic game from Miami. They shot just 30% from the field, 33% from the three-point line. This is a really good offense that we'll dive into in a second, but that is as bad of a performance as they're going to have. Hopefully they replicate it on Sunday, but that it was uncharacteristically bad from them. They kind of will themselves to a victory at the end that for a large chunk of that game, they did not deserve. They, uh, both IU and Miami spoke on Saturday. Some of the notable quotes, Lair Nega on Jalen hood. Shafino said he tried to recruit him. Uh, quote, I love his game, uh, said he's much bigger than Miami's guards. So he's going to be a bit of a handful. Miami's a small team. We'll, we'll dive into that, but Miami just across the board is not a big team. I use going to have a pretty notable advantage in that regard. And Jalen hood. Shafino is one of those, Larry Negan mentioned pick and roll defense and getting him out of his comfort zones as keys. Uh, Larry Negan on Tra uh, Trace Jackson Davis, quote, he's a great player and as a coach who has to defend him, we've got to have a plan A, plan B, and plan C. We did a little bit this morning with the team and we'll do more tonight at our shoot around. Uh, Larry Negan said our best offense is transition. Indiana likes to run. We like to run. I kind of push back on that a little bit. And so did Trey Jackson Davis. Indiana can run and in the right situations will run. And they did that on uh, Friday against Kent State. But it's not like priority A. They don't play particularly fast. And, and like I said, Trace said that as well. Quote, games in the 60s for us are a lot better than games in the 70s and 80s. So watching out for that and the tempo is going to be a big thing. Like I said, IU might be able to hang with them there, but generally speaking, play at your pace, play at your tempo. And if you slow the game down and get trace and post-ups, that's where IU is going to have the advantage, even if I think that they could have success running the floor as well. Trace can run the floor better than almost any big man in the country. So that is a, a positive for Indiana. Trace Jackson Davis, <laughs> The NCAA has got to figure some things out. He said the team didn't leave the arena until after 3 a.m. Most of them didn't go to sleep until 4 or 5 a.m. Why are we playing that game that late on the East Coast? It was silly. We talked about it beforehand. There were a host of delays, both in terms of the games. I think there were issues with the, the basket at one point uh, in the earlier games. And the result was IU tipped off like 50 minutes late. And the, the ultimate result is they're up till 3, 4, 5 in the morning. That is silly. Uh, that, I I mean, I IU's going to play late again on Sunday. Not quite as late, but so I guess their bodies are going to kind of be in that rhythm. That's silly. There is absolutely no need for that. If you put those games, games in that time slot on the West Coast where it's not as late local time. It's nonsense. So... Let's look at this Miami team. They're a very talented team with very, very talented guards. We'll dive into that and what to watch out for for the Hoosiers. Before we do that, obviously March Madness is here. So is Built March Madness. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now it's time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. 
And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built. Not only that, but a locked on fan will win a 12 month subscription. One lucky fan. So to, uh, you'll get the best built bars every month, a box of them straight to your door. You got to try built built the best protein bar ever. Seriously. They're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. I've accidentally called them candy bars multiple times. So, uh, try them out today. Run to Mar- to builtmarchbadness.com as well to vote for your favorite bar or puff. Pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. Let's look at a couple uh, things about this Miami team. I, I've seen some some comments come through. As Scott said, happy with the W for sure. However, uh, Jalen Hutchifino has to step up Sunday. Need protection from him uh, from the bench and need to hit the boards. We're going to talk about offensive rebounding. That was atrocious uh, here in just a second. Jalen also has to step up as well. And we talked about that on uh, the kind of post-game recap. I forgot to write it down, but it was kind of one of those things. I think he deferred a little bit because he realized where I use advantages were. I thought he ran the the offense well and looked good in that regard. I wasn't, I didn't think he played a bad game. He didn't play an assertive game, but he also didn't need to trace and race were being assertive enough uh, in their own regard. So I was really more concerned about Jalen not turning the ball over because that's a, a problem at times for him. It was more of a problem early in the year, but against that defense, I was worried about turnovers with him, and he only finished with two. So he does need to be better. I certainly agree with that, but I didn't think he was bad necessarily. I just thought he took a bit more of a backseat role, and that was fine, but he he's going to have to step up. No foul trouble. That's the biggest thing with him. He is... Way too important to be picking up early fouls. And I is going to need all of their guards on Sunday because this is a uh, a Miami team that has a lot of them and a lot of very talented ones. Miami is one of the best guards in the country. You mentioned Nigel Pack. Uh, Dabney did. You mentioned Nigel Pack. He's not even their best guard because the ACC Player of the Year was Isaiah Wong who uh, a junior guard averaged 15.8 points per game this season. This is one of the best backcourts in the country. They're going to run a three-guard lineup. Isaiah Wong, Jordan Miller, Nigel Pack. I think IU's probably going to play a fair amount of three guards themselves between um, Tamar, Trey Galloway, Jalen hood Shafino. Miller Cop will obviously start, and he can. There'll be room for him. Jordan Miller is a bigger guard who who rebounds well. I would imagine just kind of looking at things without having seen Miami a lot. I'd imagine that's where Miller starts. Uh, but I use going to run three guard lineups, and they're going to need, as you said, production from the bench, specifically Tamar Bates. I thought Tamar Bates played well on. Friday, in terms of effort, I there's just not a lot of production that goes with that. He he defended well. I'm not going to complain about that, but the he didn't score, and 
I don't know that IU can really get away with that on Sunday. He's going to have to be productive in that regard too. So he was he was good in the Big Ten tournament. Get back to that. If he can get back to that, I think that will be a big boost for Indiana. This Miami team, one of the best offenses in the country because of those guards. Isaiah Wong, uh, as I said, player of the year in the ACC, first team All-ACC. Jordan Miller, second team All-ACC. And then Norchad O'Meara is the big man that is very important to everything they do uh, down low. He injured his ankle, I believe sprained his ankle in the ACC tournament. It was unclear if he was going to be available for Friday's game. He played He played well. He had a double-double. He's really important in a number of regards, but mainly because he's the only size they really have. So um, he's 6'7", 230 pounds. They don't really play anyone else. Anthony Walker at 6'9", 210 pounds is the only other guy that really plays. He plays about 10 minutes a game off the bench. Uh, those are the only two big men that they play. So... Um, IU is going to have to, if IU can get him in foul trouble, if they can get the ball to Trace and he can attack the rim and get him in foul trouble, that'll be huge because that's it in terms of size for Miami. Jordan Miller, who we mentioned, is their next tallest guy and he's a guard. So this is a case where IU is going to have a huge advantage in the post. Race Thompson is uh, going to... He, he could be set up for another big game, I think. he's Like I said, he's going to have a, a advantage. I don't know who's really going to defend him, and he's going to have a size and strength mismatch there. IU really has to make that count because they are – it's a really talented guard trio. They're 12th in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency, 25th in effective field goal percentage, so an efficient offense – uh, they score at the rim well. They're 34th in two-point percentage, uh, 41st in three-point percentage, just across the board. They don't turn it over. They actually, and like I said, they rebound the ball offensively well, which IU was abysmal on Friday. 19 offensive rebounds. That's something that's absolutely going to be drilled home this week, uh, or excuse me, today. There's not a week. Today on Saturday and on Sunday, uh, to finish defensive possessions with rebounds and box out because Miami does crash the glass well. They were the second best team in that regard in the ACC. And IU cannot afford to give up offensive rebounds. Now, a lot of that, I believe, does come from uh, Omir, Norchad Omir, in terms of offensive rebounding. He's one of the best in the country, 17th in the country in offensive rebound percentage. So if that's who Trace is defending, which I think there's a good shot, but Trace or Race, whichever one, they got to keep him off the glass. But as a team as a whole, that was really bad on Friday. That was easily the most alarming thing, I think, and that will bite them in the butt against Miami. So they'll have to do better at that. Uh, Miami also shoots free throws well. They, Like I said, they don't turn the ball over. Now, the reason they're a five seed is because they're bad defensively. <laughs> They uh, they are 114th in a uh, adjusted efficiency, but they just don't really like a lot of that is is 
held up by them not putting teams on the free throw line. Outside of that, they don't really do anything particularly well. They're average in terms of defending the three. They are bad in terms in defending two pointers. They don't really create turnovers. They're middle of the road in offensive rebound percentage. So, and all that, add in the fact that uh, in terms of average height, they're 224th in the country. They're not fairly Dickinson, who uh, you might remember beat Purdue as a 16 seed. But the uh, the Hoosiers are good. like I said, they will have a big size advantage. Just as a I use average height is 19th in the country. Uh, so that is where this game is going to be won. It's going to be a matter of if IU can hang with them on the perimeter versus are they going to punish them down low in the interior? I typically, I mean, Trace is so good that if that's what you're relying on, it's he's going to, I'm going to side with him. But as Scott said, uh, absolutely, I do agree. This is a game where you're going to miss Xavier Johnson on both ends of the floor as a point of attack defender, as somebody offensively that can get things going, and just depth at the guard position. Because realistically, IU has three guards. And we've mentioned three guards already that are good for Florida. Wuga Poplar was also really good against Drake and helped them out off the bench as a 6'5 guard. So staying out of foul trouble is going to be imperative for these guards on... Uh, on Sunday, and that's not something they've always been really good at. So, no foul trouble for Galloway, Jalen Hood, Shafino. That's not going to work because IU doesn't have enough guards unless you're throwing CJ Gunn in there uh, cold. That one's not going to work. So, it's a battle of kind of two opposites in terms of the the perimeter versus the interior. But when you have someone like Jalen Hood, Shafino. I think Galloway's played well. Tamar Bates has defended well and had an effort. Just kind of hold those guys. Play. You don't even have to play them level necessarily. You just have to slow them down and let Trace work because I really think Trace is going to have a big advantage in this one. IU's going to have an advantage in general uh, because this isn't a good Miami defense. Ken Palm has this as a... 78-76 IU victory, a 56% chance at winning. Like I said, Fandles at minus one and a half. The money line is minus 128. IU's a favorite, a slim favorite, but a favorite nonetheless. They're going to have to earn this one, and uh, it's going to be... They're going to have to compete again for 40 minutes, and they haven't done that a lot this season, and I don't know if they've done that in back-to-back games in quite a while, so... The focus level, the intensity level is going to have to be there, but I have confidence. And if you start peeking ahead a little bit, things are kind of uh, falling IU's way a little bit in the in the bracket until Marcus Sasser is healthy and proves he can stay on the floor. Uh, Houston's very vulnerable, and that alone is big for Indiana. Uh, you can look Penn State p- pulled off the upset. Look, it's cool they pulled off the upset, but uh, get them out of here. <laughs> I don't want to play them again. Uh, so it's we don't have to play Iowa. That's good news. This is a this is it's going to be interesting. We will see. Uh, one last question: What about playing zone against uh, those guards penetrating? 
or do they shoot the three adequately? They shoot 37% from, or no, that's Indiana. Uh, they do shoot the three well, uh, 36.7%. I don't think you're going to be able to play zone against him. And Mike Woodson just doesn't play zone. Uh, it's not something he's really done outside of the times when Trace Jackson Davis was injured, I believe, uh, and when things were really going poorly. So I don't imagine zone's going to be much of an option. I'm optimistic, just like I was. Ultimately, Trace is going to be the best player on the court, and Jalen hood Shafino could be the second best player on the court if he steps up. Outside of that, we'll see. But if IU can step up and play big again, literally, figuratively, uh, they're going to be back in the Sweet 16. It's going to be another tight one. I guess Kent State wasn't a tight one, but it should be a, a tight game. I'll take the Hoosiers in this one. Let us know what you think in the comments or on Twitter, whatever it is, whenever you're listening to this. Appreciate all the love. Appreciate all you who tuned into this one. We'll be back tomorrow after the IU game. Recap that game and talk about the women's game on Monday as well. So hopefully it's a celebratory podcast tomorrow night as IU is back in the Sweet 16. Make sure you guys go check out Locked On College Basketball as well. Isaac Shade and Andy Patton have everything you need every night. The recording after the games are done so you can catch up in the morning. Listen to those guys. They're absolutely killing it right now. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast if you guys have not already. Leave a rating and review. All of that great stuff. Most importantly, though, guys, go Hoosiers. Let's make it to a Sweet 16. And as always, LEO.